Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Each day we'll look at a text from the weekly readings from the Westgate Church Bulletin. We will look at background material and also application of the text. So once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Today comes from Psalm chapter 28. This is a psalm that's attributed to King David, and these psalms are called imprecatory psalms. This is a special class of psalms, and typically you don't hear these psalms read in church services, and some Christians may think these are a little bit embarrassing. When we think about the book of Psalms, this is our prayer book, and it's inspired by God, and we get the real feelings of people like David toward those who have practiced iniquity, to those who have practiced injustice. So in this psalm, you've got David actually crying out to God. He wants God to hear his prayer. And I think we need to learn something from this, that sometimes our prayers may be a little bit too puny. Maybe we pray things that are just a little bit vague, like help old Aunt Sally and help our country. But sometimes I believe it is okay to cry out to God for specifics and ask for God to answer your prayer. And I understand the complexities of unanswered prayer. We're not going to talk all about that in this podcast today. But realize that having this robust relationship with God where you ask God and you seek God and you want an answer, there's nothing wrong with that. We have David doing that in this psalm that we're going to read in just a minute. So this is a psalm where David is calling out for judgment. It may make some people uncomfortable what he says about the unrighteous. But with that said, I want to read through this psalm and then we'll talk about the specific parts. Once again, Psalm 28. To you, O Lord, I call my rock. Be not death to me. Lest if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help. When I lift up my hands toward your most holy sanctuary, do not drag me off with the wicked, with the workers of evil who speak peace for their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. Give them according to their work and according to the evil of their deeds. Give to them according to the work of their hands. Render them due reward because they do not regard the works of the Lord or the works of his hands. He will tear them down and build them up no more. Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I have helped. My heart exults and with my song I give thanks to him. The Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. O save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. So as we see this psalm start, David is in some sense of calamity. He's crying out to God, do not be silent, Lord, to my prayers and to my cries. He says, I don't want to go down into the pit like the unrighteous. Now, the pit here, what many think is Sheol. We talked about Sheol last Monday, if you remember. We talked about Psalm 16. Sheol would be the place of the dead. And there's this sense of a deeper pit, a deeper shield, a place of greater judgment. Uh, Isaiah 14, 15 calls about the deepest part of the pit. Some would call that Tartarus, the place of torment. So David could be saying, Lord, don't bring me down to the deepest part of the pit where judgment is restored for those who are unrighteous. And some may think, well, this tradition wasn't around in the time of David. And, And some believe it was this idea of there being a part of torment and shield. We know in the book of Job, uh, we find the word Tartarus being translated into the Greek from Job even that early. We know in the intertestament period in places like the book of 1st Enoch, a word told now, I'm not saying 1st Enoch is inspired, but it does give us some perspective on what Jews believed in the time right before Christ came on the scene. 
In the book of First Enoch, you have this idea of 200 watchers being resigned to the deepest part of Sheol, down into the pit, down to Tartarus. So there is this idea of justice, judgment in the pit. So this could be what he's talking about. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you. So he's crying out. He's lifting up his hands. And the Jewish way of praying would be to lift their hands, what's called the Oren's pose, lifting your hands up before God. And he's saying, don't let my fate be like the wicked. It's not just God. He's calling for justice. He wants justice. He's saying, give these people according to their deeds, these wicked people. Now, that may make you uncomfortable, but there is a sense that that divine justice is a good thing. Let me explain what I mean by that. Miroslav Volf, who was a Croatian theologian, talked about that God's final judgment, punishment for the wicked, is the only way to stop the endless cycle of violence in this world. Miroslav Volf is no ivory tower theologian. He had experienced horrible injustice in his life. When he was younger, his young brother was killed in a horrible accident. He was persecuted by the communists in Yugoslavia. When Yugoslavia broke up, he his home country, Croatia, was attacked by the Serbians with ethnic cleansing and horrible atrocities. He knew what it's like to experience injustice. And he said the only answer to this injustice, the only way that you don't have an endless cycle of violence is God's just judgment. So in a sense, it's okay to cry out to God for justice, but be careful if you run crazy with this idea. As with everything, there needs to be a balance. Realize that Evil runs right through all of us. I've heard people say before, God, why not just come and destroy all the evil in the world? Just blast it now. The problem with that would be that God would have to destroy all of us. If we're not covered in the blood of Christ, we would stand under the wrath of God. Now, once again, people are bothered by that idea, but Scripture bears that out. So if we're covered in the blood of Christ and His sacrifice for us, then we don't fall fall into condemnation. That's what Romans 8 tells us. So if we get too fancy with this and we're crying out for justice on everyone, we need to remember that we deserve justice too. So just keep that in mind. But there's nothing wrong with this idea of God making everything right. God bringing justice to our unjust situations. Then in verse 6, we have this transition where David is like, okay, God, you've heard my prayer. He has done something. God has intervened in this situation. So David is praising God and saying, thank you for hearing my prayer. God is my rock, my strength, my shield. I trust in him. Now I'm going to sing to him. I'm so thankful for what he's done. And then David switches to his role as the anointed one, as the king. Now remember, the word in Greek for anointed one is Christos. In Hebrew, it's Mashiach. We think of Messiah. But in Greek, it's Christos. Jesus Christos, Jesus Christ, the anointed one. David is the anointed one. And David acts as an intercessor for his people in verse 9. He says, Lord, save your people. Bless your heritage. And Lord, you be their shepherd and you carry them. Now, I can't help but think about our anointed one, our great high priest, Jesus, who reigns in heaven at the right hand of the Father, who intercedes for us at this time as the perfect high priest, who is the one who speaks for us on our behalf. So as we see this rich psalm, there's so much we can learn here. This idea of wanting God to hear your prayer, having such a prayer life that you pray to God, you cry to God, and you want God to hear you and to answer you. There's nothing wrong with that. 
And I do understand the, the complex nature of unanswered prayer. I'm not saying this is a simple concept, but there's nothing wrong with crying out to God and wanting an answer. Then you have this idea of demanding justice. I think this is a good thing that we want justice to come to unjust situations. We trust God's judgment. We trust him to come in and do the right thing. So many times in situations, we don't know the whole story. We don't know the whole situation that goes on in a place where sin has been committed. But God knows perfectly and he will set things right one day. And there's this idea of exalting in God and being joyful and him answering prayer and hearing us. And then the concept of having this intercessor, this anointed one who speaks for us to God on our behalf, I think is a beautiful image in this psalm. So with all that said and all these things that we've learned now, let's go back and read this psalm. Let's see if it makes a little bit more sense now. Psalm 28. To you, O Lord, I call. My rock, be not deaf to me. Lest if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help. When I lift my hands toward your most holy sanctuary, do not drag me off with the wicked, with the workers of evil, who speak peace with their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. Give to them according to their work and according to the evil of their deeds. Give to them according to the work of their hands. Render them their due reward because they do not regard the works of the Lord or the work of his hands. He will tear them down and build them up no more. Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield, and him my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exults, and with my song I give thanks to him. The Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. O save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. And we can say amen to that. And I hope you will join me tomorrow. Tomorrow we will jump into John's Gospel. This is our last week in John's Gospel. And we'll be turning then after that to some of the writings of Paul, especially Romans chapter 8 in the coming weeks, and then some other things that relate to Romans 8. So this will be our last week in John's Gospel. I hope you join me as we close this wonderful Gospel out with our readings and our thoughts. I hope you have a great day, and I look forward to seeing you again on Tuesday. God bless.